Today I get the privilege of finishing up a series. For the last five weeks we've been talking about being fully alive. And what we did was we talked about Easter Sunday when Jesus resurrected from the dead. We found that he didn't just go from being clinically dead to barely alive. He returned to being fully alive. And that his word declared because he lives we can live also. And so we shouldn't get satisfied with just getting better, but we want to find ourselves being fully alive in our faith. And we talked about things like being fully alive, empowered and enabled by God the Holy Spirit, and having the fruit of the Spirit to love, joy, and peace. And that means that we should have more love than everybody else in the world, that we should be a, a people that have the love that is supernatural enough to even love our enemies and have joy and peace. And then last week we talked about the being fully alive in faith. And being fully alive in faith is not just you having a hope or a belief that God could do anything. It's believing that He's enough if He doesn't do anything. And it was that, it was that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment where they believed in who God was more than what He could do. And literally, they didn't get a whisper in their ear, said, don't worry about the fire, we're going to rescue you from the fire, don't worry about that. They literally told the king, if we die here, it's okay. Because he's worthy of the right kind of worship. And the right kind of worship is an undivided heart. I'm not going to worship your idol, even if it costs me my life. And we found out that when people stand in the midst of their faith, that when they were thrown, sometimes the fires or the mountains seemingly just disappear. Other times he enables you and empowers you to go through them. They didn't meet with the incarnate Jesus of the Old Testament until they got to the bottom of the fire. And there in the midst of that fiery furnace they met with one and had an act of worship that was different than any other time before. Can you imagine? They were given the opportunity to worship a 90 foot golden idol and they got a chance to stand in the presence of an almighty God. The fire did not burn them. It did not kill them even though it killed the people that threw them in. All it burnt was their ropes and we found that they were coming out of that and revival started in Babylon by the declaration of a king that saw three men stand on their faith and he said there is no God like their God and if anybody bad mouths their God we're going to tear them asunder um, that, that's pretty good revival right there can somebody say amen, amen. but today I'm going to finish the series up with being fully alive after you failed how many of you have ever failed before in your life say amen, amen. I will say amen as well all of us have met, been met with defeat, failure. And it sometimes tries to lock us into an identity or prison that says because of this or because you did that, that everything else ahead of you will be bound to the last mistake you made. <clears throat> and so we feel judged by that one thing that we did or maybe a multitude of things that we have done that always seem to creep up, but I'm here to tell you today that there is hope even in hopeless situations and where, where defeat has happened, victory could be uh, obtained still to this moment. So let's pray and then we're going to discuss Ezekiel chapter 37. Father, today I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that allows your word to come alive and it touches our hearts in such a supernatural way that it's able to reveal even some of our shortcomings. The convictions of our heart and, and our minds can be revealed 
and transformation could take place because of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the blood that purchased us. I thank you for the power of his resurrection and I thank you for the enablement of God the Holy Spirit that allows us to experience that freedom. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. See, what we're going to visit today is an Old Testament prophet that goes in a vision to a place of absolute utter defeat. And sometimes when we talk about our past or we talk about our shortcomings, we do our best as people to probably avoid those situations. We don't want to remember how, how it was in that moment because it hurts so bad to, to revisit a past defeat. We try our best. It, it could be painful things. It could be defeats of yesterday. It could be the challenges of life. It could be the decisions that we've made. But have you noticed that the power of the Holy Spirit most of the time will take you to the very door you try to keep closed in your heart? Because he realizes that that door being closed and the brokenness that is represented behind that door that you think is okay even because it's, it's okay in your world because you have locked it away. How would you like to have a moment where it wasn't there at all? Where you were totally free from it. All of a sudden you can walk past your defeats and walk past your, your moments of failure and you could see. But isn't it ironic how God will take you to the very place that is uncomfortable for you? And that's what he does here with Ezekiel. He literally takes him. And a lot of times we think that when we are uh, uh, facing sh uh, you know, shocking moments in our life where we remember or we go back to a previous defeat, we think it's the devil. But more times than not, it's not the devil, it's the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that Scripture tells you that when Jesus got baptized, and you know that moment where the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and the heavens opened and the audible voice of God the Father said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. If you read the next sentence, it tells you that the Holy Spirit led him from that one dynamic moment of baptism into a wilderness to face the devil for 40 days and 40 nights during fasting. And it's, a, it's ironic how God can take you and lead you by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we think that because we remember it's the enemy trying to make it re, uh, repetitive in our life in a cycle. But sometimes God wants to take you to that moment and say, hey, it's time for this to stop right now. That's what happens. The Bible literally says that by the hand of the Lord and by the moving of the Spirit of God, He takes him to a battlefield where the destruction and the hopelessness was so utter, uh, utter destruction and utter failure that every soldier died. Listen to what the first verse says. And the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in, in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. Sometimes we want to forget about past defeats, but in the vision God wanted the prophet to see the details of the former defeat, not just see it from afar, but literally was setting him down in the middle of a, of a valley that was a place of a previous battle that all the soldiers had lost their life. And not only had they died, but it had been so long since they had died 
that they had decomposed to such a place where there was nothing left but bones. And not only were the bones there, but they were, had been scattered by the scavengers throughout the valley. And he literally takes him, sets him down and says, Now go walk around and tell me what you see after you walk around. And he walks around and he says, I see utter defeat, utter hopelessness. The bones are very dry and there's a lot of them and they're scattered everywhere. And then God does something that God's really good at. He starts talking crazy. Have you ever noticed that God's language is much different than ours? And that he can talk crazy talk? Like he takes this guy in this valley where the bones are very dry and they're scattered about and everybody died. And he asked him a question. He said, can these bones live? Well, the right answer is no. They can't live. They can't live on my strength. I have no idea how to resuscitate something that happened long before I may have even been born. I'm just here seeing the, the, the effects. They're, they're dead. They're scattered. There's no hope. There's no life. There's nobody that we can call 911 and say, Hey, I've got a survivor here. Nobody made it. But the prophet, here's one of the things that you have to remember about God. God never asks a question that he needs more information about. He's never, anytime that he asks you a question, it's not for him to gain more knowledge. He's all-knowing and he already knows. So the next time you feel that God is asking you a question, don't think that, oh my God, I'm going to bail God out. I'm going to tell him something he doesn't already know. No, the question wasn't for him at all. It was for you. It was for you to gain a different perspective, a different position. And the prophet humbly answers correctly. He doesn't say, yes, they can live or no, they can't. He just says, Lord, only you know. Because if I answer in my ability, the answer is no. But with you, I think you can do anything. So what do you say? And the conversation gets crazier. Listen to where we are so far. He said, and he led me around among them, verses 2 and 3. He led me around among them, the bones. And behold, they were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very, very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. See, the battle had defeated them. They had scattered them. And then God starts to talk in his language that seems so out of character to what we, we really desire. Have you ever noticed that we want God a lot of times to comfort us instead of heal us? Where he want, we want him to sit down beside of us and go, you know what? They made so many mistakes about idolatry. And I was so gracious and so merciful until finally they faced this battle and this enemy and it killed them all. Let's learn from our mistakes. No, he tells this guy, he says, he says, since you're willing to come and see, will you talk to him? We, if I tell you to say something, will you prophesy over dead things? Will you say something that if someone comes upon you that sees you talking, they're going to think you've lost your mind? Are you willing to start stand up in the middle of death and destruction and absolute hopelessness and start having a voice that has an authority that is greater than yours? 
And the Bible says this. It's one of my favorite passages of all the scriptures. In verses 4 through 7, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the words of the Lord. Thus said the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone. So all of a sudden you've got an obedient prophet that's willing to say the words of God and that's one place where I have to teach and preach for just a moment. A lot of times we want to go into what we think will work best but what you need to know is what you think will work best is absolutely small in comparison to the absolute uh, uh, hopelessness of your current situation. What you got to get is a spiritual view of a natural situation you say pastor what are you talking about we still believe I've been getting a little more political of late it's just like a revival I guess I don't know but sometimes we as people we will not miss the news for nothing in the world whether you watch CNN or Fox whether you are in this political party or that political party, whether you believe that this person is the answer in the White House or that person is the answer in the White House, what you need to know is that the circumstances of this present age and this present world will not be solved in Tallahassee or Washington until we stop long enough to say, God, what is your authority over all of these things and what words do you want me to speak? There's not going to be a magic bill that's passed that is going to do away with poverty. There's not going to be a magic law that is going to take and reconstruct and transform a neighborhood. But what we do have is the authority of God's word that will live forever. And the authority of his word, we can speak on his behalf into utter hopeless situations and declare life and hope. Amen. Amen. So the prophet wasn't allowed to say whatever he wanted to. He said, will you say what I say? Can you imagine somebody's telling you, stand up? They're not even skeletons. They're just scattered bones and tell these bones to live again. I want you to prophesy a word that comes straight from me. Tell them I have the authority to change and transition a hopeless situation into a hopeful moment. I want you to stand with the authority and the hope of a word that will be life-changing and life-transforming. I want you to tell this bone that's on the east side of the valley to find its pair, even if it's over on the west side of the valley. I want you to prophesy that I want these, this army to come alive again. And the prophet did what God said and started to say, bone, come to your bone. And there was a rattling, a movement, a moment of success. Because all of a sudden, bones started coming to bone. And skeletons were starting to be formed. And this is one of the most important parts of this entire message. Don't judge your present natural circumstances just by what you have left to accommodate there wasn't any skin, no muscles, no tendons, no flesh in that valley. God supernaturally, through the authority of his word, took something that was present. The only thing present was the bones. And put the skeletons back together and supernaturally caused something that wasn't even there to come back alive again. Amen. See, for your situation, it's a Bible story. For mine, it's hope. 
Do you know how many people, I wish I had a chair, come into my office and sit down with me and say stuff like, Pastor, I fell out of love with my spouse. I just don't know how it happened. I just don't love them the way I'm supposed to. And I want to jump up and say there may be no love left, but I prophesy over your current situation that thus saith the word of God, he can rekindle that love again. Because what they're assessing is what they've got left in natural resources. I don't have any room left in my heart. But what they haven't accounted for is the word of God can create something that isn't even there at the moment. And all of a sudden he starts to prophesy and these bones start to shake and move. And if you don't do anything, if you write a, a few notes during my sermons, write this down. Obedience is always required to change a defeat into another chance. I'm going to say that again. Obedience is always required to change a defeat into another chance. It simply took the obedience of a prophet to hear what God was saying to a valley of bones and have the courage and the faith to say it out loud. And the moment he said it out loud, the authority of God's word started to put bodies back together. Now here is where most churches and individuals fail. We celebrate over the tiniest of things because we celebrate the fact that being dead when we finally get a glimpse of something coming back to life, we want to build tabernacles and have revivals over the first movement. Oh my God, we used to be scattered out and now their bones are coming together and now they're looking at full bodies laying in a valley, but none of them were alive. The miraculous was happening. Bone come to bone, flesh come upon these skeletons, but they're all just laying there motionless. And so many times we go from a moment of where we understand the Holy Spirit has put us in a place that was very painful and uncomfortable. And when we first get a sight of God moving in this uncomfortable situation, we celebrate, nothing wrong with celebrate, but you ain't there yet. It's like, I told first service, I remember, we had like 100 people in first service, and I told them, I said, I remember when there was 38 of you left. And I was like, man, I don't have any, I don't have any solutions for this. They gonna, they, they're, they're dying, they're dead. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm being for real. Because, see that black thing over on the wall? That used to be a television camera. That the congregation that had dwindled to 38 used to be over 800 and was on television every Sunday. See, they had died and the, the decay had gotten to a place of only 38 left. But I remember the Holy Spirit challenging me and say, David, what are you going to do? Are you going to watch them die? Are you going to speak life over them? And I started to prophesy that there would come a day where the, uh, the seats would be filled. And you know what? We started seeing from 38 went to 48. 48 went to 58. 58 went to 68. 68 went to 78. We're celebrating. Look, life is happening. But what we don't want is just people sitting on, on, on chairs in a building. What we want them is enabled by the authority of God's word to be an army that is alive with the power of the Holy Spirit. The cure wasn't the crowd. And so here's all of these bodies. They're not bones anymore. They're all just people laying down. I wish I had like 
courageous people that would just lay down up here and show you, but I'm not going to go that far today. <laughs> Say, this is what it looked like. Now, just picture it in your mind. And he said, you're not done yet. Prophesy to the wind. See, there's no movement. They may not be dead, but they're not alive yet either. You've just got a momentary breakthrough. And we, we sometimes celebrate so much when the miraculous starts to happen that we don't let the process take hold in our lives to allow us to move past the defeat into the army that God's intended us to be. And so he says, son of man, prophesy to the wind. Again, crazy talk. Look to the north and say, oh, wind from the north, come and supply breath to these bodies. Winds of the south, come and supply breath to these bodies. Winds of the east, again, come and supply breath to these bodies. Winds of the, uh, uh, where am I, south, west, west, okay, there we go. I, I'm, I know there's four of them. And there he is standing there and he's probably, can you imagine this guy if he was literally in a physical place and he's standing there going, oh, when, what would you do if next week you're walking down the road and or you're in the mall and you see somebody going, oh, winds of the north, come and sweep over this place and breathe breath back into these bodies, you'd go. <laughs> this is how crazy this guy is to believe in what he's hearing from the Lord. See, because what we need more than anything else is the authority of God's word in our lives because it is life-changing and life-transforming and it can supply creative authority that even when things aren't there. All God did in Genesis chapter 1 is start talking and stuff started to come into existence. But then not only do we need the authority of God's word placed in our hearts and in our lives, but then we need the enablement of the Holy Spirit Remember what he told him to do? He said, prophesy to the winds that the breath would come back. Do you realize that those are, are moments where God is bringing a redemptive nature that he has to bring back an army to its original place? We once were in fellowship with God in a garden where sin come in and separated the fellowship, but because of Jesus going to a cross, you could have that fellowship again. And here's what happens. Listen to how the Bible describes the Holy Spirit. In John 20, 22, these are the words of Jesus. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, 2-4, Amy, if you can get ready to play me something. The Bible reads like this, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The most alive you'll ever be is with the authority of the truth of God's words speaking over you and the enablement of the Holy Spirit to empower those words to bring you to full life. I just wonder, an army standing. The Bible says that when he prophesied to the wind, the army, the breath come back into those bodies and they stood an exceedingly great army after a past defeat. See, God didn't want you to become a survivor. He wanted you to become an army again. He wanted you to go past that hurt, that failure, that decision that kept you bound. He no longer wants you to be imprisoned by yesterday's transgressions. 
He wants you to be fully alive. It's just what are you willing to prophesy? What are you willing to say to yourself? See, we had people prophesying in first service, and I don't want to weird you out. It's like, oh my goodness, now this guy's going to make us stand up and prophesy. What is prophesying? Declaring the words of the Lord. Wonder what would happen. You know how many requests I get for marriages failing a week? Probably eight, ten. What if a church would prophesy health back into marriages? Wonder what would happen. I wonder if we really believed it, if bone would start coming to bone and flesh would come to flesh. What would happen if those that are chained to the past of addictions, if we started prophesying freedom as an army, to speak out the words of God? What would happen if we started prophesying the word of God and what his identity is for you in scripture over the frailty of your life? Pastor, you don't know about me, man. I try to do better and my flesh fails every single time. I got a prayer request on the way to the sanctuary today that talks about it. A young man was requesting prayer for another young man that is falling prey to flesh issues in his life. He's getting tempted and he's falling to that temptation. What would happen today if a church at 1735 Jackson Street would prophesy that the Spirit of God is more challenging than the accommodations of our flesh? What would happen if we... Well, Pastor, you just don't know about me, man. I'm, I, I try to do so well and then I fall short every single time. And, and the enemy whispers in my ear that I'm a failure and I'll always be. And I've always got to look back at that one moment where forever I'm going to have to see that he's telling me the truth when he reminds me of what I did or what I said or what I become. Oh, my friend... What you need to hear is a prophetic word. You don't need another sermon. You need somebody that's willing to prophesy out of the book of Corinthians and said, there is a new creation that God has set aside for you, that His word can come alive in you and the old man could be, could be done away with and your sins as far as the east is from the west and a new man or a new woman could stand to their feet today. Well, Pastor, I, I just, I, 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 my relationships never work. Maybe you need to prophesy over yourself and say, God, what is it that's wrong with me? Because I think there's something wrong with everybody I'm in relationship with. And I found out that they're always wrong, but there may be some wrong in me. And so here I am, expose what I need to know so I can find a healing and a hope that brings me to a place that allows my relationships to be fruitful again. 